Well, if you'll look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we're going we're to be there for just a second, and then we're going to move somewhere else. But I kind of want to use this verse here to base our entire conversation. Uh, I'm thankful that you're here, uh, and I'm thankful that we're going to be able to have this discussion together. So Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We all, a lot of us anyway, could probably quote this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think this verse right here is one of the main reasons why the word wrath is such a scary word for all of us. Because when we read this verse, we realize that all of us are subject to God's wrath. And in a lot of ways, we all deserve God's wrath. And so when we read Romans 3.23 and read this scripture saying that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the word wrath becomes pretty scary. Because it's not a word that just affects other people, it's a word that can strongly affect us if we're not careful. And, and so tonight, I want to keep this conversation going about wrath, because it does affect us, uh, but I kind of want to make this a different perspective for you, and hopefully uh, bring, it, bring some other thoughts. I want to take you back in time to when I was a kid. Uh, I know that maybe you're getting some funny images in your head thinking about me as a kid. Uh, I know our youth group, some of them have pictures of me as a kid. Uh, so if you want to see any pictures, you could ask some of them. They probably got them saved on their phone. Uh, when I, I, I still had curly hair. Uh, believe it or not, I was shorter than I am now. Uh, but but I, was, I was a kid, and my dad was laying the wrath on me. Okay, I want to take you to this moment. And we're getting ready for school, and so we're, this is, I don't remember what I did to, to deserve this, but I'm sure I did. Uh, and we got in the car, and my mom tells me this story. We get in the car, and my sister is just bawling. She's crying, she's upset, and, and my mom says, Jasmine, that's my sister's name, Jasmine, what, what's wrong? She said, Daddy's going to hurt Alex. And she was convinced that maybe some of you have had this same experience who have children. And I'm sitting over there, no tears in my eyes, just smiling, ready to go to school. And I said, Jasmine, don't worry, I'm fine. He was only hitting my backpack. <laughs> um, but I'm using this, this story as an illustration. Sometimes we worry about our own wrath, but oftentimes it's more worrisome to think about the wrath that someone else might get. Sometimes it's more worrisome to think about the wrath that God may bring on someone that we love, someone that we're very close to, someone that we care a lot about. And, and even as I'm talking right now, there's probably several people that come to your head of people that you are nervous, that they may experience the true wrath of God when the judgment day comes. Uh, maybe you are the person that you're worried about. But we all have someone that we are afraid. It may, be, it, may, it may not be yourself, but there's somebody in your life who you're afraid is going to experience the wrath of God. And for some of us, that can be a lot more worrisome than even our own selves. 
So tonight, I want to talk about how we can help, how we can keep some of the people that we love from experiencing the wrath of God. Uh, That should be part of our mission as Christians, is helping other people uh, and keeping them from experiencing the wrath of God. So first, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to talk about keeping those we love from experiencing the wrath of God. Because if you're like me, I worry about my own wrath. I worry about the wrath that God might bring on me, but I also worry about other people. And I think 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we kind of see this same struggle with, uh, with the writer here. So let's, let's go ahead and start reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to read verses 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law but of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So I want to make this point right off. By yourself, you cannot keep someone else from experiencing the wrath of God. You can't. You alone cannot keep someone that you love a lot someone you care a lot about, someone you spend nights staying up late worrying about, you yourself cannot keep that person from experiencing the wrath of God. It is that person's decision. It is that person's choice to dedicate their lives to God, to make sure that their life is on the right track. A lot of times we spend our, our nights worrying because we want to force someone to follow God. But unfortunately, we can't. We can't force someone. But it does cause us a lot of worry. And I think this is a point that Paul understood. If you look at verse 22, he says, that by all means I might save, what? Some. He didn't say that he might save all. He knew that as a person that was going to go out and try to teach people the gospel, that he was going to try to build relationships with people to bring people closer to God, he knew that his success rate was not going to be 100%. He knew that some people, by choice, were going to reject the gospel. And that's difficult. However, even though we can't force someone to follow Christ, we can't force someone to obey the gospel, I think it is also commanded that there are some things that we, we must do. While, while we will not be 100% successful, and for some of you, that's why you don't even try, because you're afraid you will fail. Um, but just because you may fail uh, is not a reason to not try. And I think there are some things we're commanded to do, and I think that Paul 
teaches us some of these things in these verses. And uh, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is that Paul was all in. Paul was all in. Now, this was the theme for Evangelism University where we went uh, last weekend with the youth group. And, and some of this stuff are, are thoughts that, that came up for me uh, as we were at that conference. And then some of it is stuff that came up for me as I was preparing to teach while I was there. And, but this was the topic, all in. Paul was all in. Now, if you're going to bring people closer to God, and I know there's some people in your life who you want to bring closer to God, you must be all in yourself. Your relationship with God has to be the top priority in your life if you want it to be the top priority in someone else's life. Uh, if, if by watching you, they don't see a person who's all in for God, it's probably not going to draw them closer. So I want to have a brief discussion here. Who are some people from the Bible that come to your mind when you think of someone who is all in? Noah. Why does Noah come to your mind? He was persistent, right? He built that ark for many, many years before he ever saw a drop of rain. But he continued. He was all in. Who else? Moses. Why Moses? He never gave up on his people. Moses never gave up on his people. Even though he had his own struggles, he didn't give up on the people he was guiding into the promised land. Who else? Abraham. Why Abraham? Yeah, Abraham made a choice. He was going to follow God even though other people weren't. And that's what he did. He was all in. Who else? Job. What about Job? <laughs> he was definitely all in. So what are some of the things that Job had to endure? Yeah, Job, he, his, his friends tried to get him to, to curse God, his, his wife. Uh, so many people tried to get Job, and, and if we were in Job's position, probably would have just said, God's not here for me. Forget that. But Job, there was a reason why he stayed with God. He kept his relationship with God because Job was all in. Who else? Joshua. Tell me about Joshua. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't care what everybody else was doing. All he cared about was that he was all in. And if you read through his story, people followed him. And I think that's the, the whole idea behind this point. Is that if you are all in and you are passionate about your relationship with Christ, people will want to follow. People will want to know what is giving you the passion that you have, and that will mean a lot to them. If, but if it's not genuine for you, it's never going to connect with the people that you care about. There's a lot of people who are all in, and, and I want you to, to think about some of the people in your life that family members... Uh, friends that you know of who were all in. I think about uh, this guy at EU. He told, he told a story. His name was Wassam. Wassam was born in Baghdad. He grew up there, lived there, I think, till 2010. Um, 
And so he, he experienced a lot of negative reactions towards Christianity while he was there in Baghdad. And uh, he, he kind of gave up on his Islamic faith. He was Muslim. He was born, his whole family was Muslim. Uh, and and he, he gave up on that because he felt like there should be more to life than what he was learning. So with Psalm, in, he, he, he kind of gave up, and he's, he says he became an atheist. And then he began a search for something more. So I guess, in a way, he kind of became more of an agnostic because he began to search. He began to search for more meaning to life. And he searched, and he searched, and he went to the local market and bought a copy of one of the Gospels. I don't remember which one it was, but he bought a gospel. Uh, <laughs> he bought a copy of a gospel, and uh, he started to study it. And then eventually, he went and bought a copy of God's Word, uh, the entire Bible, and he studied and he studied, and and he felt like this described so many things for him. He began to believe in God, knowing that in Baghdad, at this point in his life, had he publicly announced that he was a Christian, he'd be killed. And this wasn't very that long ago. So with Psalm, he, he was denounced by his, his family. His, he even told the story of his mom finding his Bible at home. And when he came home, she said, why are you doing this to our family? Because she was so heartbroken that he would do such a thing as study the Bible. But as was Psalm studied, he, he felt like the Bible taught that he needed to be baptized. He wanted to become a Christian. And he went to every church building in Baghdad to find someone to baptize him. But no one would do it. And then he eventually... Uh, when once America came in and freed them up a little bit, uh, and they started to have access to the internet and things like that, he was able to do some more research that he didn't previously have uh, access to. He was able to order some Bible study materials, and uh, he got in touch with some people who uh, would help him. He goes on this website and he orders a Bible study, and and this woman calls him. And in the process of their conversation, she says, is there anything you want me to pray for? And he says, ma'am, please pray that I could get baptized. I've been trying to get baptized for 12 years. This is an amazing story. This man had been longing and very much wanting to be baptized for 12 whole years. And he couldn't find anybody to do it. Then eventually, so she prayed with him, and eventually, through this process, he got, uh, he got linked up with someone through ordering another Bible study who, who called him and said, you need to be baptized. And he, it was kind of funny listening to him tell the story. He was like, yeah, I know, where are you at? Um, and finally, this missionary, I don't, I don't have his name written down, but this missionary, um, it was a Bible study called Bible Basics. And this missionary emailed him. And basically, they got in touch with each other. 
And this missionary was in another country. But he volunteered to pay for Wissam a bus ticket so that he could ride two hours to where this missionary was so that he could be baptized. So Wissam boarded that bus, went in faith to this other country where he was baptized. And uh, where was he baptized? He was baptized in a hotel bathroom. Uh, I wanted to get that right. He was baptized in a hotel bathroom two hours from home. And eventually he came to America and he's, he's actually uh, ministering to Muslims in Detroit now. Uh, but, but this story to me is a man who is all in. Uh, he, even though he knew he could be killed for his faith, he was all in. So what is keeping us from being all in? I, I know listening to that story, I realized that I take my faith for granted. I take my family's faith for granted. I take having God's Word for granted. I take uh, being able to be baptized for granted. You know, when I was baptized when I was 10 years old, I told my parents, and we went and I got baptized as quickly as possible because it was such an exciting event. I take that for granted. What is keeping us from being all in? I don't think we need to be on the fence any longer. We either need to be with God or find a way to get with God. Paul found what he had in common with a lot of people. That was one thing that was important to him. Uh, look, let's look at these verses again, verses 20 through 22. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Paul became like other people so that he could teach them the gospel so that he could build a relationship of respect, a relationship of love, and have a conversation of the gospel. So let's, let's talk about this for a second. How do you find what you have in common with other people? How do you do that? Talk. <laughs> it seems so simple, right? You talk. Uh, anything else? Visit them in their home. Sometimes when you go into someone's home, you realize, wow, we've got a lot more in common than I realize. When you, when you go to someone's house and you sit down and say, I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to visit you. You learn a lot about each other. How else can you learn what you have in common with someone else? How about listen? Listen to people. Um, I know it, it's, it, the, all these sound simple because it, in a lot of ways it is simple. Uh, we did a simple illustration uh, while we were at EU where we got all the kids in the room that, that we were teaching in to find a partner who they'd never met before. And so they get in groups and we ask them to share some simple answers to some simple questions like, what is your name? That sounds pretty simple, right? Uh, what are your hobbies? Where are you from? 
Where would you like to be in 10 years? And then finally, the question we asked at the end, where would you like to be in 150 years? And through all of those questions and through talking and listening, you're going to find something in common with just about anybody. And take the last question, for instance. Hopefully all of us have the same thing in common, that in 150 years we hope to be with God. But there's, there's a lot of things that you have in common with people all around you. You just don't know it because you haven't talked to them. Now, I realize this is coming from someone who doesn't really meet a stranger, and it's a lot easier for me to talk to a stranger than it might be for you. But just talk to people and be willing to listen to what they're saying, and, and I promise you're going to find a lot of things that you have in common. Once you establish a relationship with someone and you find some things that you have in common with someone, hopefully you, the relationship that you're building will eventually lead to a discussion about your faith. And I know most of the relationships that I have that are very close, uh, we have talked about faith at some point in that relationship. And if you are going to share with someone about a life-changing gospel, then I think the next step in helping someone stay away from the wrath of God and, and studying with them I think you need to know how the gospel has changed your life. A lot, of, a lot of us have forgotten what God has done for us. How the gospel has changed our life. What is your story? What is the story of your journey with Christ? Because all of us have a unique story about our journey with Christ. Don't forget what that story is. Because people want to hear it. If you're going to share with a friend of how the gospel can change their life, tell them how the gospel has changed your life. And in some ways, it helps to have a Bible story that kind of relates to your uh, journey, that, that kind of puts things uh, in perspective for you, uh, a Bible character that you relate to, a Bible story that you relate to, uh, or a Bible story that just really connects with you, of someone who may have uh, found God in the same ways that you did. And uh, I want to talk about some of those. And I want you to think about which Bible character or which story can I relate to? Can I relate my journey to? Uh, one person, and I, we're not going to read the exact scriptures that these people are. I'll say them. You could jot them down and go back and read them later. Uh, but one guy is Timothy. How did Timothy, how was Timothy taught about the gospel? His mother and his grandmother, right? So here you've got a guy who, from day one, this is something that was important in his life. The faith they held came eventually to be his own faith. Now there are some of us in this room, this is a story that I can relate to personally, who from the day we were born, our parents worked to instill faith in us, and to instill knowledge of God, knowledge of God's Word. And when he came old enough, uh, he realized that he had sinned and he needed forgiveness of Christ, forgiveness of God, and his, but his family is who taught him. And maybe that story relates to you. Now, what about Saul? 
before he became Paul, Saul. Tell me about his story. What do you remember about him? He persecuted Christians. Mike? He was raised a strict Jew. Someone else? He was all in in the wrong direction, right? He had passion, but he was heading the wrong direction. So maybe this story relates to you. Maybe in your life, you've been all in at some point, but you were heading the wrong direction before you had this eye-opening moment like Saul did on the road to Damascus when he eventually gave his life to God. Maybe that story relates to you. What about the woman at the well? Here's a woman, a story, who would have been all the talk at school, right? Everybody would have talked about this person, about all of her sin, all of her struggles, all the things she's done wrong. She had a bad reputation. She was living in sin. She was guilty of it. But she came into contact with Christ. She realized and found that despite her brokenness, despite her sin, that she was loved by Jesus. And then she became a Christian. So maybe that story relates to you. Then we've got the jailer. The jailer was good by the world's standard. He did the right thing. He went to work. He did what he was supposed to do. But he didn't fully know Christ until a couple of Christians showed him what true love was. Until a couple of Christians stayed back and waited and made sure that he was taken care of. He was even to the point of killing himself, right? He was pretty far in. But yet the love of two Christians, several Christians, he was able to turn his life around. And then the last one I wrote down is the the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a good dude. He's a very religious person. He was dedicated to worshiping God. He was studying God's Word. He just didn't understand. And he needed someone to come and teach him. So all of these stories probably relates to, one of them probably relates to your spiritual journey. And so I think it's important that if you're going to share the gospel with someone, to understand how how God has changed your life, how the gospel has changed your life, and, and how you're going to share that journey with someone, but also how this happened in the Bible. The fact that the gospel has been changing people for a long time. But not only is, is knowing these stories going to help you relate to yourself, but it's going to help you relate Scripture to someone else. Help you relate Scripture to someone who may not have dedicated their lives to God. And so I want you to think about uh, what's keeping you from being all in and what's keeping you from, from following these steps. Not only do these stories relate, but they relate to everyone. Not only do they relate to you, they relate to everyone. Everyone is going to find one of these stories uh, as being close to them. So I'm challenging you to keep people in your life from experiencing the wrath of God. Now that is a big, daunting task. But by taking some of these steps, by making sure that you yourself are all in, 
by making sure that you know your spiritual journey, that you see where God has affected you and has, how the gospel has changed your life, I'm challenging you to leave here and make it happen. To leave here and quit, quit being on the fence and go all in. Find some people who you can build a relationship with and show them how the gospel can change their life. Become all in tonight. Be baptized or give your life over to Christ again. Uh, You have the opportunity to do this as we stand and sing.